0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where we've got another Everton performance to dissect today, but unfortunately, it was not the result that the Blues were looking for on Saturday afternoon. Uh, A 1-1 draw with Burnley at Turfmoor to a very airy Robbie Brady goal being cancelled out by Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Just before half time. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Jones, today joined by Dave Prentice, Connor O'Neill, and Gav Buckland. But, Breno, we'll start with you on man. frustrating, disappointing. You know, there's they're the other words that spring to my mind when I think of that match. What, were, what was your take on it?
2: Uh, I'd agree entirely. Um... I'm trying to be give it some perspective here because uh, I had the misfortune to listen to some of the uh, the local radio phone-ins immediately after uh, the final whistle on Saturday, and it's fair to say uh, the result performance was not well received by the uh, well certainly the radio listening Everton fan base. And, yeah, it was a poor performance. It was incredibly sloppy uh, with some of the passing. If I never see three at the back again, it'll be too soon. I just, I've just, i said before, I don't think it works, and clearly it doesn't. We looked altogether better uh, when we went to a flat-back four. But it's a project, you know, so he's only been here effectively one transfer window, Carlo Ancelotti. He's still putting things into place. It's going to take time. We're going to have to be patient. We've had a great start to the season, and we've had you know, a pretty mediocre uh, last Month, stroke six weeks or so. There's going to be ups and downs, and you know you can't be just demanding him to wave a magic wand and get it right straight away. So yeah, it was frustrating. You know, Burnley, our thoughts were there for the taking, and we didn't really take that opportunity. We weren't clinically, clinically enough in large areas of the pitch. But let's not get too hung up about it. Let's just you know give it a sense of perspective and settle down. But yeah, it was it was rubbish. <laughs> it was um, it was sloppy. It was poor. It was frustrating couple of flashes of, you know, here and there, uh, you know, notably for opportunities created for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But overall, it was a, it was a very, very disappointing afternoon. Mm. Gav, I
1: know you weren't on Friday's podcast, but uh, in that podcast, we talked a lot about the need for Everton to make a great great start to this game, you know, come out of the box, blocks flying, really take it to <laughs> Burnley in the opening three minutes <laughs> of the game. So it was probably no surprise to anybody, the three minutes into the game, uh, yeah. one nil down, thanks to as Preno says, a bit of a, a bit of sloppy play.
3: Yeah, it's what you don't want, isn't it? Really? Um it was sloppy. It was sort of typical of our first twenty minutes or so. And you're on the back foot straight, then aren't you? Um and it was yeah, it was it was just a poor goal. But as I say, it was just the first first twenty minutes I thought we were poor, but then certainly at the back we got to grips with things. So I can only Echo Preno's thoughts again that you know this is, I know we say Carlo's had time time to you know not a time enough to sort things out, which to get, but you know you don't have to be a three-time Champions League winner to realise that at the back's so just not working for us, isn't it, really at the moment? Mm. And um, and hasn't really worked for us while we've used it. So I'm not sure not sure whether Carlo is beyond criticism. In all of this, by the way, and you certainly a fault on Saturday, I felt. Not for the first time over the last month for picking what I effectively thought was the wrong formation, probably with the wrong players.
1: Mm. Well, Connor, let's dive into that. I mean, five at the back was chosen again. Uh, I think team selection caused a little bit of a surprise before kick-off. You know, Fabian Delph was chosen at wing-back. No Niels and Kunku uh, in the squad at all, yet again. Uh, did the did the injury almost come as a blessing in disguise because it allowed Everton to change their setup? And as Gav rightly says, I think Everton looked a little bit more solid for that uh, for the rest of the match.
0: Well, I think they looked at different teams, didn't they, after the injury? I think it it, it somewhat sparked them into life. Um, but no, I, I agree with what Gav said there. I think to like what he said about Carlo. I think you know while it's it's easy to Carlo's only been in for you know a year, et cetera, I think the last couple of weeks he got to take it on the chin himself because because obviously C doesn't work you know we, we were all surprised that you know Nazan and cuckoo's admission from the lead squad so for, to not be there on on saturday was even more surprising then after you know 20 odd minutes fabian Dell pulls up and it's you know you're putting a center back who's played at right back so far this year to left back and it just it it just feels a bit like carlos at the minis put a lot of you know round pegs and, and square holes when you know, quite simply, he could be putting rounds, pegs in round holes. <laughs> if he if he picks a a the formation you know, or a squad that you know covers all areas, and I think you know ultimately, I think that the, the injury did come as a bit of a blessing in disguise for because they they were a different team. But you can't start the at any Premier League any Premier League match the way we did in our first twenty minutes. and expect nobody would any matter who you're playing. Fortunately for Everton, I think the fact that they were playing barely helped them massively because you know like we, like the guys alluded to on Friday, they were there for they sake of them. They're not the best team. You know, another another team of you know a bit more calibre could have really put him to the sword in the first twenty minutes because it was that poor. So I think that the big question, you know, ultimately is Carlo probably did get away one get away with one by Fabian picking up a an injury, but you know it's got to be better. And it's got to be better soon because I know like Penrose today we had to have a really good start, but the last few weeks have been quite worrying. I think for for all Evertonians because you know something somewhere it's just not quite right.
1: But I know before the game on Friday, Carlo Ancelotti was saying that playing five at the back or three at the back, whichever, whichever you prefer. He was saying that was an emergency solution to uh, Everton's you know, injury worries in defence. But he had the tools there to not have to play five at the back. It was certainly his choice to play five at the back rather than four at the back. Why do you think he keeps the system with it?
2: I don't know. I've not heard a, a coherent explanation as to why it will help us. Um, we probably do have the central defensive personnel available you know sort of play that system but we don't have the uh, the personnel in the wider areas presumably the more important areas uh fabian Delph is very much uh, as connor said one of those uh, square pegs in round holes as a left back even though he has played in that position before in his career um but that was what we ended up doing anyway you know so moving ben godfrey across there and did particularly well i thought in the circumstances um so no, I, I don't get it. I mean, the, the whole three at the back thing just like leaves me a little bit uneasy. I don't see what it gives us. I don't see, you know, so sort of what it helps to create. And okay, it's an emergency, but we've proved that, you know, we can overcome that emergency without having to use that system. I mean, we did for an hour on Saturday and looked altogether better for us. Uh, you know, so hopefully that'll be the emergency solution dispensed with now. And uh, we will see a flat back for, and we'll see possibly people who are slightly more, suited you know to the system John Joe Kenny you know so playing in a full position you know he's had a full season in the Bundesliga I don't know quite why he's being ignored so comprehensively uh as he has been stinking the gaff hours on the training ground we just don't know. Um but no I'm I'm not a fan of three at the back at all. I just don't think it gives us anything uh positive or anything you know solid to work on. Uh, and hopefully it's just a short lived experiment which is now being ended. Uh, I think though so, to like Devils out the
1: I think for me in those opening twenty minutes or so, the main issue that Everton had wasn't really a system problem for me. It was you know that sloppy play, Alan giving the ball away, which led to the goal. Uh, I think he gave the ball away a couple of occasions in those first twenty minutes. I think don't think Decore was particularly comfortable on the ball either. You know it's those individual mistakes in front of the back four that were putting Everton under pressure. What back five, sorry, that were putting Everton under pressure really wasn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, I mean, and and it's fair to to Alan. He sort of got over that one. Like about Alan, even if he's in the stinking the gaff house, he'll, he'll find a way of getting himself into the game. The corridor was slightly different. Yeah, I get that, but it's what well, about the remaining seventy minutes, isn't it? That's the thing. I mean, I thought that they played down, played the channel, and our left back, left hand side a lot. They um using the long ball, and uh, I, what, what what puzzled me about Saturday and you alluded to it then about Carlo saying that you, it's an emergency measure and blah, blah, blah. Well, if that system's that important, then why didn't you have Kunku on the bench? So if is just an injury waiting to happen, as you know, why do you just retain your system then, Carlo, if that's that important to you? Why did he? Was, he was forcing himself to change system by not having on Kunku on the bench, which begs the question, well, why have you got the system in the first place? And, you know, when... It was that was just a really frustrating thing about, about it for me. On you know a couple of Fridays ago we were picking who we play left in a 3-4-3. Three, three. Yeah. And the two players we said should not play left is a Wobi and Delph. I think French said you said play Delph for full back but not at yeah. left but because yeah. it's just yeah. too too energetic and getting up and down. And <laughs> <all due> Car <laughs> you you know if we could see that two or three weeks ago, all of us Mm. You know, I, I can't see why, why Carlo, with all his football intelligence and knowledge, just can't see the same thing. And I'm something on me on Saturday. I didn't understand someone Kunku wasn't on the bench. Mm. To be fair, uh, yeah. And you are right. I mean, after after the first twenty minutes, we were okay, okay, but we're playing here, We're not playing one of the best teams that we have got upcoming over the next month. And uh, you get the impression we made up with the draw. Um, it was just another missed opportunity and uh, I just felt totally frustrated after mm. after 70 minutes. just felt like switching it off. <laughs> it, was just, it was just like, you know, it was going nowhere and it was just a frustrating afternoon with only one or two moments of uh, positivity. I thought Godfrey played really well. Mm. I mean, he must, he must, he must uh, you know, he's looking more, one of our more valuable players at the moment, to be fair. And uh, I thought he had a good game. Uh, and there's one or two other performances, but apart from apart from that, it was all a bit, all a bit flat, wasn't it? Mm.
1: Connor, we've spoke about Delph. What what do you do about Fabian Delft now? It's another injury for him. Looks like looks like a hamstring injury. It looks, you know, if it's if it's serious, it could keep him off for a few weeks. I mean, that was only his second Premier League start of the season already. You know, it, it, <laughs> what do you do with him? <laughs>
0: I just think he's going to become one of them He'd be who's almost on like the countdown clock in terms of if you're just counting down the hours and the days, there's contracts up and he can, he can go because I think ultimately there's nothing you can do with him because I think any chance they had to get rid of him in January, possibly even on loan, I think have just diminished because why would anyone want to take him? Because like we've seen, he simply can't stay fit. He gets fit gets back fit and no sooner does he get back fit, he's back on the injury, injury treatment table. So, I just don't think that there's nothing they can do with him. I think they've just got to hope that, you know, he, he, his time moves faster, his contract comes to an end and he can, they can offload him. Because, like I said, I don't think anyone's going to take him. I don't think there'll be, you know, any real interest from anyone who, who looks to take him. You imagine as well as his wages will be priced high. So that probably put a stop on any potential deal happening. So I don't think there's anything they can do. I think they can just hope that he, he maybe gets back fit and can play some s- small part over the over the festive period. But depending on how bad his injury is, he might not feature at all. So it it does it just it's just frustrating. I think the whole the whole of of Saturday was frustrating from the you know the team news dropping, looking at the sub bench, looking at the way we started, the formation, Delph getting injured, then, you know, that second half where you're thinking, let's just try and kick on here and just move up one gear, not even go through the gears, just move up one gear and, and really take the And It just never really happened. And I think, you know, ultimately Fabian Delph's injury summed up what's been a pretty, pretty frustrating few weeks for all Evertonians across across the world.
1: Hmm. I have to say, Crenno, I felt personally a little bit sorry for Delph uh, when he got injured. He seems to just be in a bit of a run of bad luck, doesn't he, in terms of injuries and you know
2: breaking into the Everton team. Yeah, I I understand that sympathy. You know, the, the guy doesn't want to get injured. You know, he is absolutely Trying, you know, sort of to get a consistent run together, and you know, he was he was energetic and he was getting about the pitch, and you know, he was trying to make things happen, which is how the hamstring went. But you know, I'm just looking at his career stats now, and you know, he doesn't play much football and hasn't throughout his career, to be honest. Um, I mean, Aston Villa, six years, there 112 league appearances in that time. Um, Manchester City, four years, and I know Pep Guardiola spoke very, very highly of him. But fifty-seven league appearances in that time. So City were able, I suppose, to use him as an emergency measure, maybe you know, so bring him in every now and then, and then you know, sort of bring bring him out again. You know, we can't really do that at the moment. You know, so we need players that you can rely on a little more than that. Um, And it's not his fault, but it looks that you know you can't really rely on him long term. He's thirty-one now as well. You know, so is 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 he going to get any? Less injury prone I phrase, but it's true. You know, he does pick up injuries all the time. And the suggestion is probably not. So I think we are literally going to have to just, you know, sort of use him as and when we can, as you know, so maybe a, a substitute, you know, who so can come on in games and, you know, sort play 20 minutes here, half an hour there when necessary, because he's not really shown that you can play it week in, week out. Unfortunately, it sounds harsh, but yeah, you know, and I do have absolute sympathy for the lads, but yeah. The record goes against him, unfortunately. Mm. I suppose, though, Gav, whatever system
1: Everton are going to be playing over the next few weeks with Dean injured and Delph injured, who would be a backup option. Surely now Nils M'Kunki is going to be playing, isn't he? <laughs> you know, I mean,
3: like, who else is going to play then, apart from maybe Ben Godfrey? Well, well, yeah, well yeah. Well, it's sort of... I mean the other thing we should not discussed about Saturday is I don't know what's going on with Hawgate at the moment. He's sort of in out in and out and captain and then dropped and stuff, in, isn't man? it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I, I I would imagine just I'm just thinking about Chelsea and the way they play, to be honest with you first. But on face value you go back, back forward, a uh Godfrey at left back, wouldn't you really? He's had a, he's had an interesting start, so he's having Claire clear, actually, mm-hmm. right back. Centre half of the back three. Left back in about five games. Um, he hasn't which he has
1: actually played his most comfortable position. Yet,
3: most like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's come through, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's the, the only in Conqueror of Godfrey, but I think Phil's piece yesterday was well argued, wasn't it? About Carlo will have young players, you've got Premier League experience, he's obviously likes Godfrey. He's played 35 times or whatever it was for Norwich. And Concu's played once. So you get the impression if you were going for a left-back. Haven't you seen, seen what we saw on Saturday? And on Concu's Konku, on uh, only appearance, I think Godfrey might get, get the shirt on uh, on Saturday. Pray in a back four, though, not a back three. Back the Royal
0: Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Well, Conor, we've talked a lot about the defence. Let's go to the other end of the pitch. James Rodriguez, uh, he's, he's been in the news, I'd say, uh, this morning. We'll uh, we'll go on to Gabby agbon Lahore's comments in a minute. But I just wondered what you thought of Rodriguez's performance because I came out of that game thinking to myself he got much more involved than we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Could have had a goal, really should have had an assist as well. You know, I thought it was, a, it was a quite promising display from him.
0: I agree, I thought it was his best performances for, for a good number of weeks, I thought, you know, he, he looked a great, he looked, you know, he, he looked a threat, and like you say, he should have had an assist, I mean, at first I, I thought Sigerson's chance, it was a good save, when I was seeing it live, I thought, oh, you know, he's done well there, hope, but then when you watch the, you know, the numerous replays, you're just thinking, how's he, he's literally put it in the one place where the goal is going to save it,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the whole game's
0: waiting for. Um, but yeah, I thought he done, I thought he'd done well. it was one of his best, I thought it was actually, kind of it was a, it was a real positive to see him play the way he did because things didn't go for him and we didn't really get the ball to him in, in areas at times where he can actually hurt the opposition and um, but i thought in general i thought he has a really solid solid display and i think you know it bodes well for, for the next couple of weeks because obviously you know it's going to be quite tough in some of the games we've got to come against some of the best the best teams and um, if he can't stay patient and he can't stay alert and he can't look to you know, create something else in not, which he, I think he's certainly as if it's Sigurdsson's chance. Look quite easy the way he kind of just goes through. But I think if you watch the replays and stuff, it it's an absolute it's superb that the ball through is just it opens the defence and it's that bit of magic that you know we desperately need him to produce on a on a game by game basis if we're going to have any chance. But no, I thought on the whole it was a really positive display from him and his best for a number of weeks.
3: Mm. You agree with
2: that, Prento? How did how did you see Rodriguez's game? Yeah, um, that that problem he had, uh, was a groin problem, um, and around the same time that he was making you know trips across to South America on international duty, that appears to be behind him now. Because he did look a little bit jaded you know, during that period, and he looked brighter. Yeah, he looked more at it. I mean, apart from that, that was an exquisite pass that he played through. And if Sigurdsson had have scored it, people would have been raving about it afterwards. You know the. The creativity, the vision, the ability to give it just the right amount of weight—it was exactly what you know we were crying out for. But he also had a couple of efforts himself as well. I mean, it was a great save from Pope with the one that he tried to bend inside the uh, the post. So yeah, he's looking more like the Hammers that we saw in the first uh, few weeks of the season. So that's pro- promising. It's very positive. I mean, uh, you know, people claiming that, you know, he's being found out now. People know how to, you know, sort of close him down. It's absolute nonsense, you know. So he's, he's had a stellar career. You don't get found out, you know, so and have a career like he's had. How old is he? 29. And, you know, they've just found him out now. Absolute yeah. nonsense. Um, so now he, he looked bright. And that, that's quite promising, quite reassuring. Because Richarlison on the other flank had one of those odd games, you know, where absolute moments of, you know, Penetrating genius, you know, so for the assist for Dominic calvert Lewin's goal, but then other times, I don't know, just seemed to switch off a little bit at times and wasn't quite at it as he can be. Uh, but no, Hammers was doing it on the other flank, so yeah, you know, positive signs. And there were positives on Saturday, not many, albeit, but yeah, you know, that, that was one certainly Hammers's performance.
1: Mm. Well, you wouldn't have thought that if you were listening to Talk Sports morning and uh, <laughs> that, those <laughs> those comments that Prenner was alluding to they were from Gabriel Akbom Lahore. Saying that Hammers has been found out, you know, the 2014 World Cup Golden Boot winner has only just been found out now that he's moved to <laughs> the Premier League. That, that, that doesn't particularly make sense to me, but I uh, mentioned the English weather as well. He's getting too cold in England, despite the fact yeah. that he's been yeah. in Munich over the winter. So, uh, yeah, Bavaria is not known for uh,
2: tropical climates, is it? <laughs> exactly, yeah.
1: <laughs> So, it's, those comments don't necessarily wash well with me and they haven't really washed well with a lot of
3: Everton fans today and it's quite understandable, isn't it? Um, Yeah, I mean, the Munich thing is, or so whatever that is, called, yeah, yeah, okay. But <laughs> I think if you... I'm not going to... The other bit is about being found out. Obviously, as a player, you know, he's been top player and still is. But whether you say people know... Now, when he first came over here, first few games of the season, people see what system Evan going to play? How are we going to fit in and stuff? So he was able to take advantage of that, I would say, in terms of how Ancelotti would employ him in a four-three-three 3 3 compared to the other members of the, the forward line and even in a 3 the same. So I wouldn't say found out, but people now have got a greater understanding of what is... I was going to say, skill set, but I mean, people obviously watch loads of games of the role that he plays and how he's adapted to the English game. And I, and I think i would get the argument and say, well, like, teams are more prepared to play against him now than what they were in September because you have seen how he plays for an Everton system. So that's what I would say. I would not say he's been found out as an individual. Oh, yeah, if you kick him in the backside of, in 60 seconds, he doesn't want to know all that type of stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't agree with that, but in terms of how does James Rodriguez play within the Everton system and can we counter that? people are better prepared for it now than what they were in September mm. and it's up to us now isn't it to, to, to vary things and to adapt to ensure that you know uh, where we make the most of most of visibility mm. um so I, I would I'd understand that argument, but I don't understand the argument of yeah yeah he's being found out. Uh, you know, format, you know, if, no, if I don't people, get that if, at
2: all. If people look at the websites, it, David Alexander Hughes has done a very spirited statistical defence of Hamas uh, Rodriguez. And it just explodes Gabby abblon um arguments entirely. I think over yeah, the last three games, he says he's um, created 14... Um, what's the actual phrase? Oh, it's uh, like chance-creating, you know, sort of incidents, whatever. But yeah. basically, you know, sort of 14 significant interventions, which uh, is only three shy, uh, three short of what he did in his first three league games of the season, when we were all absolutely raving about him. But perhaps, like most notably of all, uh, Burnley on Saturday, he actually touched the ball 73 times, which is more than he has all season. So it suggests that he is involved, you know, so a lot more. He's had his little lull. He's had that jaded period uh, that we talked about, you know, when he was – Flying backwards and forwards across the Atlantic, and he was nursing um, a groin problem. And he looks like he's, uh, you know, back at it again. And he'll be needed, you know, because we've got some very, very testing fixtures coming up uh, in the next few uh, few weeks. But to me, you know, he's not nothing to worry about at the moment.
3: No, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, we've got bigger worries to uh, concern yeah. ourselves with with the team, haven't we? Yeah,
1: Colin, do you think the side will maybe be a little bit complacent about James Rodriguez? when he first joined Everton in the summer do you think teams were maybe thinking to themselves oh, he, hasn't really, he hasn't really played much at Real Madrid recently you know he might take a bit of time to get into the swing of things and you know he obviously proved, proved them very very wrong at the start of the season didn't he? Yeah I think there was because I think
0: there was a bit of a false media narrative kind of created around James Rodriguez and his arrival Everton certainly not I don't think from any of any of those guys I mean I was absolutely buzzing when he signed and I thought you know it was fantastic he was a you know what you call a proper, a proper golden boy wasn't he? you know real madrid by him you know world cup golden boot but i think you know, there was a lot of kinds of stuff in the setting, the national media in terms of oh you know it, it it shows how far he's dropped you know he's never done nothing since he the world cup He was a bit of a six-week wonder and he's, he's lived off that etc but I, I think because of that people kind of found a full slot of like oh he's probably just did for a bit of a paid day off ever you know they've they've been the ones who've been stupid enough to fall to fall for the CV, etc. But I think, you know, after half an hour of his in the first game of the season when he, you know, he just stole around like the white-heart lane pitch like he, like he owns it he'd been playing in the Premier League for years, people kind of thought, oh no, actually, this lad is a player and he has got something about him. And You know, if he does get the arm around his shoulder, that's Carlos certainly gives him. And I think he does need and I think he's, he's even admitted that himself as he, you know, he's found, he found it a little bit tough sometimes at Madrid with the managers and the, the tough little approach. Uh, he, he can shine and I think, I think everyone was just genuinely taken back by how good he was in the first couple of weeks and he kind of didn't have a position, did he? And he was cutting inside and, you know, I don't know how many times he caught teams out in the first six or seven games, but that cross field kind of switch to Luca Dean. That just seemed to come off every time he'd done it, without fail. And, but I think what Gav said earlier about, you know, teams are maybe trying to stop him now. I think that's just football. That's straight football evolves, isn't it? I think, you know, teams, you, you, you do something for a couple... You look at Sheffield United now, for instance... You know, last year, they blew teams away for the first year. A six months playing three at the back and the way they set up. Now, they're still trying to play. that. have knows how to play against them and, and they're still and as a result. I think the big test now for Everton is they, they've got to get Rodriguez in the game and the game in the game, there is are in opposition. But opposition without them getting too stifled and, and too shut out. And that's the next test now for them. But, you know, he's fast playing. There's no doubt that he'll, he'll, he'll produce more and more good for Everton this season than, than, than anyone. And I think, you know, like that guy... Gavin Preno both says we've got bigger problems to worry about than Hammet Ruggie guys potentially being found out, which is just ludicrous. I mean Gavio has played more Premier League football than me, but I don't think I don't think anyone should be listening to that type of opinion if I'm being honest.
1: <laughs> well, Preno, while we're sticking with some uh, positives, uh, Yeni Mina back in the side against Burnley. I thought he had was he good game, consider
2: yeah, it was it was the good Yeri, wasn't it? That we we're, uh, we we're used to seeing? in good good Yeri and bad Yeri. We <laughs> want a bit of consistency now, and I suppose you're only going to get that consistency if a you played regularly and b you played in a you know a regular system. Uh, players at the back need to be comfortable uh, with what they're playing. I mean, it's, it's no coincidence that the best defenses tend to be you know the same four players that you can rattle out and the same goalkeeper. Uh, They have a familiarity with everybody's game and they know what they're doing. Uh, They all pull out at the same time. They all hold the line at the same time. And uh, if you're changing it, and okay, we've had to change it, you know, by circumstances. I mean, it was described by Carlo as an emergency measure. Um, But the sooner that we can get back to some degree of consistency of selection at the back there, um, we're going to see better performances out of those players who are selected. And I said last week uh, in the pod that we did, I said that it's up to the players themselves to do that. You know, so if you play regularly, you get picked regularly, which is why Michael Keane has been selected. You know, so all the season, you know, maybe why he had the the armband, you know, because you know Carlo knows he can rely on him. Yeah, he hasn't done that. He's been up and down. He's made a few you know high profile mistakes this season that have led to goals. But that was a start. That was a step in the right direction. Um, it's going to be a very very big test if he keeps his place. You know, this weekend. But he made his day against Chelsea, didn't he, uh, down at Stamford Bridge last season? or oh, two seasons ago? And, and looked, you know, so looked decent. So it's up to him, you know. So, yeah, he's shown he can do it. Now we need to see consistency from him. Uh, but, yeah, you know, so not to deflate the uh, the positive vibe. Uh, it was, it was decent. It was good, Yeri. Long way to continue.
1: Mm. I think Brenner raises a good point there, Gav. You know, we've obviously got four very good quality centre-backs, I would say, on their day. Uh in Mina, Keen, Holgate, and now Godfrey as well, you know chopping and chain hasn't really seemed worked over the last few weeks. you know we've brought in brought in Mina, dropped Holgate, made Holgate captain, and then dropped him again, and it's just this revolving this revolving system just doesn't seem to be working at the minute. Do you think that you know as Preno says a, a little bit of consistency in a back four or a back three yeah well, is, we we uh, swept at the what, start know, of
3: start, the season, yeah? didn't we Was it? Was keen and mean at the opening. Yeah, six, five or six games. Mm. Since then, I don't think we picked the um, the same back three or two or four. whatever, but, but every way you look at it, uh, since yeah, I, I agree. I think um, the whole day one. I'm just assuming on Saturday. I don't know if Carlos mentioned this. I I just read that maybe that they will give a bit more of a physical presence up front, and maybe just wanted those three physically biggest centre halves, mm-hmm. perhaps. But that's just I, that that sort of sums up the flux to me. As I said, alluded to before, as is that like Hallgate saying, I was saying I was captain. I think we've had five different captains in five games now, haven't we? Yeah, Something Michael Keane like first time, yeah, yeah. Which weekend. is just, I, I I really don't know what's going on there. I, I know the fact Carlo has said the past, he, you know, he likes to, you know, he's not versed in passing the, the armbands out, but that to me is, is 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 doesn't sit right with me. And I, I think, I think it's that old thing, isn't it? Let's just go back to what we had at the start of the season. Play four three three. If you want to go with Mina and Key. This is two centre halves and keep it like that and go with that. Rather than all the chopping and change. the one thing it's not doing. It's not stopping us conceding goals. You know, it, it's it's I mean, the only good thing about Saturday is that we didn't concede two. You know. Um, and so I think we should get back to... I think all managers should do that one if they're struggling. Look at what, what were you doing when you were doing well, which you were at the start of the season, and go back to that. Mm. Which, which, I mean, I thought Gomez was a bit in the house on Saturday, but he actually looked a bit more lively than what he has done, to be fair. There were some bizarre bits, but there was some, some really good passing, of um, And we had Gomez, Decore, Alan... We've got the front three. You've just got to manipulate the full-backs. But there is there is options there, a full-back. Go with that.
1: Mm.
3: But why not? It's as good as anything. Yeah. You know, for um, all this chopping and changing, three, four threes and in-out, in-out, go with that. That's that mm. to me. But yeah, I think we need a bit more stability defensive-wise. Several times I've me over the last few weeks. A year, as Plano was saying, Carlos... 12-month anniversary and we're still no nearer to find out what his best our partnership is. And you've got to throw Brandt White into the mix here, haven't you? Mm. You mentioned yeah. four there, Ad, but we've also got Brandt White. Yeah, of course. So we, it's not as if we've got short... We've got shortages short the centre-half. We've got no full-backs.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. which is a story in itself, isn't it, really? which yeah. For another day, that, isn't it, really?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, do you agree with that, Connor? I mean, like obviously the injuries don't don't make it any easier. But as Gav quite rightly mentioned, we're coming up to a, a year under Carlo Ancelotti now, and it seems over the last few weeks that he's still uh, trying to find what his best system is, let alone his best starting eleven.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think what what really does surprise me is that you know we are nearly year into his reign, and yet we've got big problems at the back. I think if any when we first got him, the, the idea was oh we we'll make us you know make us defensively solid and we will stop leaking goals. Um, and it'll be perhaps moving forward where we might struggle. And it might take time to build in terms of getting the right plays and 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 you know the 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 right type of creative creative plays we can afford. But I think you know he seems we've got that sounds pretty much it. And always a TNO. it's a frustrating with him But you know I think Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, you know, Rodriguez, you know, pretty, for what we pay and what we've got, we're not getting much better than them three. In but I think yeah, it's it's surprising with the back how kinds of... How up in the air, it still is. Given you know with the units I thought he would, he would have been defensively solid uh, under Carl. I thought he would have had a, a nailed on back four that we pretty much all knew. And who would have been? And I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. I, I think you know we look at we look at the the back the centre backs we've got, and and you do feel a little bit for them because they're probably sat there not knowing where they stand in the pecking order because you know it. it we don't know, but they They don't obviously know because one week one of them's in, the next week they're out, the next week, you know. You look at Ben Gobby, for instance, there was, there was, you know, he come on into the pool for his debut at right back, then he starts at Southampton, then he was missing from the squad completely, then he comes back in on the bench, then he starts, days at left back. So, you know, it's, I think they must be signed as that. there thinking, well, you know, don't really know where I stand. And I think the sooner we do get two centre-halves and we stick by them, two centre-halves for the pit, uh, sustained runner games, the better for me, I think. Uh, I agree with Preno. I think you know the best teams always have a solid, a solid foundation, a back four, or you know, two two centre halves. Everyone knows, and I think for me, I, I think the sooner we do that, the better, and, and we give it a real run because all the swapping and changes at the minute. It's just I don't think it's suiting anyone. I don't think it's given anyone a chance of succeeding because I don't think anyone really knows where they
1: actually stand. Mm. And I suppose Prennol think matches such as this one show that even when you've got one of the best managers in the world. You know, it's it's quite a big job at Everton, isn't it? And it's, you know, this is a long-term project even for even for somebody as qualified as Carlo Ancelotti.
2: Well, you yeah, know, that's what I was trying to guess at uh, when I, when we started, uh, by, by saying that, you know, I listened to the phone-ins at the weekends and people were, like, ready to jump in the Mersey over what they'd seen. And it was like, all right, calm down. You know, let's think about where, uh, uh, you know, sort of 12 months ago. In fact, was it 12 months ago they we were getting battered at Anfield? You know, five goals getting pulled yesterday, yesterday was the
3: anniversary. Wow. I know mean, yeah,
2: that, that was that was getting battered
3: at Anfield 12 months ago, two years ago, three years ago, <laughs> four yeah, years ago. Been
2: many times. yeah, you know that that was the the dying embers of, of the Marco Silva spell. Uh, so you know it, it's still very very early days, and um, you look at you know, the successful teams in, in the League at the moment. um not many achieve success overnight. I mean, probably. Jose Mourinho, is he like the one person that you could maybe say gets a, a significant reaction out of a squad of players as soon as he's appointed in terms of winning silverware? Uh, but not many can do that. And especially, you know, when you're inheriting a squad of players, that you know, the like of which Carlo was inheriting. Because let's not forget, we've had a very, very fractured, you know, sort of four or five years now where we've had that 11 years of solidity and stability with David Moyes, which whatever you want to think about his his spell, it was stable. Um, and then we've had ups and downs, we've had managers coming in, uh, changing personnel, we've had different directors of football. Uh, so it's been an incredibly volatile, incredibly turbulent time uh, at, you know, at Everton Football Club, and it needs a bit of stability again. It needs one man at the top who can actually get his own thoughts and his own ideas uh, into how he wants the football team to play. And, you know, Carlo was only just started you know, it's, it's 12 months. It's not a huge period of time. And I would argue that we are definitely seeing uh, an improved, you know, Everton Football Cup than what we saw this time 12 months ago. So let's just be patient. You know, time was going to be tough. We know that. You know, we've looked at those that fixture list and said, oh gosh. Yeah, we were asked last week, are we still going to be in the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, and within a couple of points of the top four by the end of... Uh, January beginning of February, I'm not so confident as other people were, but that does it, It's time to start panicking, and it's time to start thinking. Right, let's make another change. We've got a top level manager in place here who's proved his managerial you know uh, ability over decades and decades. So let's just be sensible. Let's just be calm and so see what the January transfer window brings. You know, the, the last transfer window wasn't too shabby, was it? In terms of the quality that was brought in, so let's just see. Maybe another player or two might make you know a significant difference again. Yeah. I think that's as uplifting a note as any to end on, isn't it?
1: Frustrating results, but don't jump in the mersey. I think that, that is the general, the, general, the general message that we've got from the end of this podcast. Lads, thank you very much for joining me and thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget you can review us wherever you get your podcasts from and join in the conversation on Facebook and Twitter as well. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast.
3: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.